Chapter Nine of Odd. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rachel. Odd by Amy Lefebvre. Chapter Nine. Betty's discovery. Molly and Douglas were up in an apple tree in the orchard late one afternoon, when Betty and Prince came rushing by. "Hello, where are you going?" shouted Douglas. Betty came to a standstill, and Prince likewise, the latter putting his tongue out and looking up inquiringly as he panted for breath. Betty cut a caper. "'I'm going to spend the day with Miss Fairfax tomorrow. Me and Prince. Hooray!' And Prince danced round his little mistress's legs with delighted barks. "'I don't believe it,' said Molly, looking down through the leafy branches. "'Didn't she ask us, too?' "'No, only me. She said she'd ask you another day.' "'Where did you see Miss Fairfax?' in church she has been making the loveliest music and prince and i have been singing prince singing said douglas contemptuously i should like to hear him he does betty said eagerly he really does he kind of winds in his throat and up his nose and sometimes he puts up his head opens his mouth wide and gives a lovely howl and he looks awfully pleased when he's done it he thinks he sings very nicely too where's nurse "'She's washing Bobby. He tumbled right into the pigsty and came out a disgusting object. "'Is she rather cross?' "'Of course she is. She won't let you go to Miss Fairfax if you ask her now.' "'Then I'll wait till tea.' Betty threw herself down on the grass, and Prince sat at her feet, thumping his tail on the ground and watching intently every change that flitted across her face. Now and then he would make a snap at some flies. If Betty spoke to him, his whole body would wriggle with ecstasy, he seemed to live on her smiles and caressing words. "'It will be very dull to spend the day with a grown-up person,' said Douglas presently. "'I'm glad she didn't ask me. I never do care for grown-up persons.' His lordly air in making this assertion helped to fortify Molly, who was bitterly disappointed in not being included in the invitation. "'I love her!' exclaimed Betty. "'She's the nicest grown-up I've ever seen. She does laugh so, and isn't a bit proper.' "'Well, you'll be sick of it before the day is over. You see if you aren't.' "'Now Molly and I are going to have a lovely day. "'Would you like to know what we're going to do?' "'Molly listened eagerly, for Douglas's plans were always sudden and unexpected. "'We're going off directly after breakfast, with our dinner in our basket, "'and we're going down to the brook. "'I'm going to build a bridge over it at the widest part.' "'Both sisters looked aghast at this audacity. "'What will you build it of?' questioned Betty, skeptically. "'Of stones and clay.' We shall make the clay down here, and I shall put a few boards in it, and make it all smooth with some putty that I saw in the stable. "'You will fall in the water and get drowned,' said Betty, and then she jumped up and ran off to the house, to escape a pelting shower of small green apples from her irate brother. Nurse made a few objections at first when she heard of Betty's invitation, but when she knew that Miss Fairfax was going to call for her little guest, and had promised to bring her safely home again, she gave the required permission— and Betty's sleep that night was full of wonderful dreams about her coming visit. She woke very early the next morning, and was full of confidences to Prince of all that they were going to do and say. She gave Nurse no rest after breakfast until she had dressed her in her best white frock and tan shoes and stockings. Then, with her large white leghorn hat and little white silk gloves, she sat up on a chair in the best front parlour, feeling very important, and making a dainty little picture as she sat there. Prince had a piece of pink ribbon tied around his neck. Mrs. Giles had produced it from her work-basket, and had gained a fervent kiss and hug from the little maiden thereby. 
At last Nesta arrived in a low pony carriage, to Betty's intense delight. She wished that Molly and Douglas had waited to see her step in and drive off, but they had run off half an hour before, nurse having packed them a lunch-basket, as desired. Nesta smiled at the excited child, as she and Prince tumbled themselves into the carriage with a good deal of fuss, but when they were once off, driving through the shady lanes, Betty folded her little hands demurely round Prince in her lap, and upon her face came that dreamy look her friends so loved to see. She did not ask questions, and the drive was a quiet one, until they at length drove through some iron gates round a thick shrubbery, and up to a big white house with green Venetian shutters, and a brilliant show of roses in front. Betty was lifted out, and taken up some low stone steps into a broad old-fashioned hall. It seemed very cool and quiet inside. Thick soft rugs lay about the tiled floor, large pots of flowering shrubs stood here and there, and at the farther end was an open door with striped awning outside, and a glimpse of a smooth grassy lawn and bright flower-beds. Nesta opened a door and led Betty into a darkened room, full of sweet scents of heliotrope and roses. "'Now I am going to bring you something, so sit down and wait for me.' Betty's quick eyes were taking in everything, and as for Prince, his nose was as busy as his eyes, and a low growl and a stiffening of his ears soon told his little mistress that he had discovered something objectionable. When Betty crossed the room on tiptoe she found him in front of a large mirror, and the snarl on his lips was not pleasant to see, as he faced his mock antagonist. "'Oh, Prince, for shame! I must hold you. What would I do if you broke that glass?' now come look at these beautiful pictures look at that lady up there she's got a little dog in her arms very like you it was a pleasant morning-room with plenty of pretty ornaments scattered about and after the farm kitchen it had a great fascination for betty nesta presently returned with some sponge cakes and a glass of raspberry vinegar which betty found most refreshing do you live here all alone she asked no said miss fairfax smiling I have my mother and sister here. My mother is not very well today, but I will take you to see my sister now. Come along this way. Will Prince be good? Yes, he won't bark at all unless he meets another dog. Betty trotted along, following her guide across the hall to another room, where on a couch near the window lay a lady. I've brought a little visitor to see you, Grace, Nesta said in cheery tones. This is the little girl I was telling you about the other day. I can't bear children, was the fretful reply. Why do you bring her here? But nevertheless she put the book down that she was reading, and scanned the child from head to foot. Betty's grave face and earnest scrutiny in return seemed to vex her more. "'How children stare! Do you think me a scarecrow, child? Can't you keep your eyes to yourself? What is your name?' "'Betty,' and the little girl drew to her friend's side rather shyly. "'Go and shake hands,' whispered Nesta. Betty went up to the couch and held out her little hand. The invalid took it, and the fair, flushed little face seemed to attract her. "'This is a perfect baby, Nesta. I thought you meant a much older child. Well, little girl, haven't you a tongue in your head? Have you nothing to say? It's the way of this house. Here I lie from morning to night without a soul to speak to, and if I do have a visitor it is half a dozen words, and then off they go. I should like them to lie here and suffer as I do. Perhaps they might have a little more feeling for an invalid if they did.' "'Are you going to die?' asked Betty timidly. "'Take her away!' gasped Miss Grace. "'Don't bring a child to mock me, and I suppose you will be devoting yourself to her the whole day, and I shall have no one to read the paper to me.' "'No,' said Nesta brightly. "'I'm going to let her play in the garden, and then I shall come to you as usual. Come along, Betty. Now you and Prince can have a scamper.' 
Out into the garden they went, but Betty rubbed her eyes in bewilderment when she got there. Surely she had seen this garden before. Was it in her dreams last night? She tripped across the velvet lawn, answering Nesta's questions and remarks rather absently, and then suddenly she turned round with a beaming face. "'I've been here before,' she said. "'I had some lilies from over there, and I came through that little door in the wall from the wood. Do you know my lady? She looks like a queen. Does she live with you?' Nesta looked perfectly bewildered. "'You must be dreaming, Betty. How could you have come here? When did you come?' Betty told her of her adventure in the wood, and Nesta listened in wonder. It must have been my mother, and yet I can hardly understand it. It is unlike her to take any notice of children. Then she added, Do you think you can make yourself happy in the garden, Betty, or would you like to go down to the green walk outside the little gate? Will you open the gate and let me see? said Betty thoughtfully. Nesta took her to it, and then for a moment they stood silent, looking down the green avenue, with the golden sunshine glinting through the leafy trees, and the tall bracken swaying to and fro in the summer breeze. "'Which do you like best, Betty? The garden or this?' Betty turned and looked behind her at the lovely flowers and beautifully kept grass and gravel walks, and then she heaved a little sigh as she looked out into the wood. "'My beautiful old lady asked me that question before, and I thought then I liked the garden, but now I like this green walk best,' she said. "'You prefer nature uncultivated, don't you? So do I. But I do not often come out here. This is my mother's favorite spot.' "'Did you say nature?' questioned Betty eagerly. "'Do you mean Mother Nature? You said you would show her to me some day.' "'So I did. I have quite forgotten. Well, there she is out there, Betty. Nature is God's beautiful earth, the country, the birds, the rabbits, and the squirrels, everything that he makes and that man leaves alone.' "'I don't understand,' and the child's white brow was creased with puckers. "'I thought she was a woman. Mr. Roper said she was, said he had learnt many a lesson from her.' "'And so have I,' said Nesta softly. "'Listen, Betty, sometimes I have gone out of doors tired and worried and sad, "'and I have wandered through the wood, "'and the sweet sounds and sights I have seen in it "'have brought me home rested and refreshed. "'They have spoken to me of God's love and God's care and God's perfection. "'You are too little to understand me, I expect, but you will when you get older. "'God makes everything beautiful, "'and he watches over the tiny birds and insects "'whom no one but himself ever sees.' The tiniest flower is noticed by him, and all his works in nature lead us to think of him, and to remember how he loves and cares for us. Betty's blue eyes were raised earnestly upwards. God does love everything, doesn't he? And he loves Prince just as much as he does you and me. Nesta hesitated. I think, darling, God has a different love for us to what he has for animals. We have cost the dear Saviour his life. Our souls have been redeemed. Animals have no souls. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. But Prince does, broke in Betty hastily. He knows lots of the Bible, for I've told him about it, and I read the peep of day to him on Sunday. He likes it. He lies quite still on my lap and folds his paws and listens like anything. And I've told him about Jesus dying for him and how he must try to be good. And he does try. He wanted to run after some little chickens yesterday, and I called him and told him it was wicked, and he came away from them directly. "'and I know he wanted to go after them dreadfully, "'for he was licking his lips and glaring at them.' "'This outburst from Betty was too much for Nesta. "'She looked at her with perplexity, "'then wisely turned the subject, "'and after a few minutes more chat left her "'and went back to the house. "'Betty wandered out into the wood, "'and then seating herself on a soft bank "'surrounded by ferns and foxgloves, 
she drew Prince to her. "'Come, you little darling, how do you like this? Isn't it lovely to be spending a day in that lovely house, and not have to be shut out with only some lilies to take away? Do you like it, Prince? And do you think we shall see that nice queen, and find out if she sent you in a basket to me? Do you understand about nature, Prince? I wish I did, but it's the earth, I think. You put your mouth down and kiss it. Isn't it nice and soft?' and then, laying her curly head on the velvet moss, Betty pressed her lips to it, whispering, "'Mother Nature, Mr. Roper sent you his love and a kiss.' Prince was not content to stay as quiet as this for long, and when a rabbit popped up from a hole close by he was after it like lightning. Betty tore after him delightedly, and a scamper removed from her busy little mind for the time thoughts that were beginning to trouble her. When Nesta returned to the garden half an hour later, she found Betty deep in conversation with the old gardener, and Prince was hunting for snails in a thick laurel hedge close by. "'We didn't stay out in the wood very long,' Betty explained. "'We got tired of running after rabbits.' "'You must come into luncheon now. I want you to come up to my room and wash your face and hands.' "'Will the cross lady be at lunch?' asked Betty, as she trotted up the broad oak stairs a few minutes later. "'Hush, dear, she's ill, remember?' I don't think she will lunch with us. Nesta took her little visitor through a long passage to a pretty bedroom, and Betty looked about at all the pictures and knick-knacks, asking ceaseless questions, and fingering everything that she could get hold of. Her curls were brushed out, her hands and face washed, and then she was brought down to the large drawing-room. "'This is my little friend, mother,' said Nesta, going in. A tall figure turned round from the window, and Betty saw her mysterious lady once again. She looked colder and sterner than ever, and put up her gold pince-nez to scan the little newcomer down, but Betty's radiant face, dimpling all over with pleasure as she held up her face for a kiss, brought a softer gleam to the old grey eyes, and, to her daughter's astonishment, Mrs. Fairfax stooped to give the expected kiss. "'It is the little trespasser,' she said. "'I did not know I should see you again so soon.' Then she turned to Nesta. "'Grace informed me she intended to lunch with us.' She's in the dining-room already, so we will wait no longer. They walked in silence across to the dining-room, and Betty, awed by the big table, the noiseless butler, and the cold, formal stateliness of the meal, sat up in her big chair, subdued and still. End of chapter 9